Hello, welcome, uh, Contramestra uh, Sinina, to the Life Capoeira. Um, she runs a full-time academy in Southend on Sea and has been playing capoeira for uh, 23 years now. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you. So your capoeira journey began in the year 2000, you said, and you were hooked from your first class. Would you like to tell us about that experience and what led you to getting hooked? Yeah, I think uh, originally it was actually, I found capoeira four years previous. And um, at the time I was just finishing uni, I was living in Epsom in Surrey and there was no internet. There was mobile phones weren't really a thing. Um, and the closest class that I found um, was in London, but it was just too, at the time it was too much of a trek. And, and I didn't really know that much about it. And, you know, life kind of, continues uh turning and so when I came out of a, a long-term relationship and I moved back home towards South End and decided that I wanted something for me and this was something that had been on and off for like the last four years so I found uh, a group um Professor Sangibon who was in Harlow and um and I and I managed I spoke to him and I found out there was two guys that used to come drive up from South End. It's about an hour's drive and uh, and just completely trustworthy. I've never, never met them before, <laughs> but uh, jumped in their car and they took me to Harlow. And I was just really excited. I, I was a musician before. I've been playing music and singing in bands, playing guitar and some percussion since the age of 15. And um, I was really excited by the music initially, initially, and and the kind of funness of the movements. I, you know, I was, I was never really an acrobat as such, but I used to like doing handstands and cartwheels as a kid, and and I was just fascinated that people could kind of move their bodies in that way and still, you know, be intentional and in control. So just to get to play around. Um, in that way play as a child and play music and sing was just kind of linking together all of uh, my favorites all of my loves really in one place and it was exactly what I needed I needed a, a new community that didn't really know me wasn't necessarily going to ask any prying questions as I was kind of getting over this separation in my personal life and it was just you know it was the perfect medicine fantastic and um, you said that one of the things you enjoyed about Capoeira as well is, is being your travels. Um, how far afield have you gone, obviously, from Southend to Harlow? Um, but, uh... <laughs> yeah, I've been over a lot of places in the UK. I think at the time, because there was no internet, we used to pass around the VHS tapes and, and, and copy them time and time again until they were to the point of where you couldn't really see what was happening. So the only... Um, I was with Group Senzala at the time, but our master didn't live in the UK and so we only got to see him once a year so for guidance and kind of for a better understanding about what Capoeira was you had to travel to events it was very different from what it is now and so it was very normal to head into Europe um you didn't take holidays as Capoeiristas you you went to Capoeira events that was your holidays you know that was where you spent your money and that was your kind of fun time and so um i've traveled all over europe i've been to brazil um 
yeah and it, and that was the way that we I guess that was that was the way that we interacted with the community then and that was the way that we learned stuff I had a little notebook after each class that I took I tried to write down as much as I could remember and I joined little stick men um so that when I came home um I could continue to kind of practice those teachings you know it was very early on and it was really difficult for me to decide what was right for me and what was wrong for me and I, I just kind of wanted to experience as much as possible um so I just took it all on I took on all of the all of the teachings all of the ideals all of the values all of the philosophies and hope that shoving it all in together eventually shaking it around would kind of sieve it out and eventually become something that I could align myself with have you found that things have changed uh, certainly I travel less these days um since my daughters have come along but I know in my 20s I was again traveling all over the place with capoeira um I still feel that travel is a really important component for new players getting into to the arts um Obviously, this let me try that again. The proliferation of of things online make things easier. Do you feel that travel is still an important element for for the modern capoeira community? Absolutely. I guess the nice thing is is the people that have grown up and established themselves in the UK and in Europe and Ireland. Um, you know, so the places that are easiest for us to get to. And um, they're they're all starting. They all have families as well. So it's it's although it's never easy to travel with a family. It's it's certainly a lot harder work. I mean, I'm we're fortunate. You know, my husband's a capoeira master. My two children both play capoeira and play music and dance and <laughs> do all of the stuff. So it's kind of very normal for them. I mean, it's what we do full time. So it's normal to kind of step out of our arena and step into someone else's. But the demands on life just change as you get older and, and your values change um, as much as I really, really love traveling and meeting communities. There's this huge sense of um, we shouldn't be doing as much just purely because of the way that the climate is. It's, you know, is it necessary? So I think there's that desire to support much more local so that there's less kind of air travel or maybe we're opting for train travel and you know traveling to places on train it's just really frustrating that in the UK that's also really expensive um but I think from from the kind of responses that I've had from lots of other groups when we're visiting different groups is they're really supportive of that and they're really supportive of, of people from outside of their group coming into their space and supporting their events. So there's always ways financially to kind of help those people making that effort um, and still supporting someone else's event because um, we can't take away the financial element. So I think it is just as important as ever. It's really easy now to isolate ourselves um, in our own little circle, in our own little hodder because everything is so much more available now. Um, when I graduated um, into a blue cord in Group Senzala, one of the requirements was that you had to have immersed yourself in Brazilian culture. You had to have visited Brazil. And that's not so much of an element now. And I, I'm fine with that because the level of capoeira outside of Brazil is matched of that in Brazil. And so I don't think it's as important 
in order for kind of graduating, but for your own personal growth, I think it's really important to understand, you know, kind of drinking from the font, as it were, you know, um, because so much of it's not just a martial art, so much of the Brazilian way of being and living and existing exists in capoeira and it explains a lot of stuff and it's very very not intuitive from an English culture I think it's quite hard for us to fully embrace um but I'm so grateful that one I've married into that culture with my 23 years of capoeira and music um two I've married physically into that culture and now have a family that shares that and so um, I feel really fortunate that I get to kind of have the best of both worlds, really, having my English heritage and marrying into the Brazilian culture as well. And I think it's um, really good what you do, because obviously myself as well, coming from the UK and and, and not having any uh, Brazilian background. Um, well, it turns out my um, paternal grandmother was born in Brazil, but left in the 1930s I think so uh, that was more of a coincidence that I found out later on but um, how he found it setting up Brazil art in um, South End on Sea to promote the Brazilian culture how has that been received? Later? So our organisation um, started out of a necessity so Biscreen was already working self he was a self-employed you know he worked for himself he was already teaching and doing the workshops and I was doing something else and I just for me I'd kind of stepped into jobs stepped into jobs and I'd stay for a few years and then get really frustrated that things kind of weren't progressing and it wasn't even for my own progression it was just frustrating that there wasn't an avenue to voice my drive for creativity you know creative thinking and creating things and trying new things um so eventually I found myself jobless and I spoke to uh, an entrepreneurial friend of mine and said you know we're in this position I don't really know what to do with myself and he said well why don't you start a company I was like well I don't know how to and he said right well I'll give you 30 minutes and get back to me and I'll get my guy to set it all up for you and I was like okay so I got off the phone and sat with my screen and said right we have 30 minutes to find think of a company name what, what's best going to kind of describe what we do and because at that time I was working voluntary alongside with screen so I had another job and then I would step in and teach and work in schools as well um and then we were like well brazil art i mean it's kind of you know brazil spelt the english way art spelt the portuguese way it just felt right and so i got back to him two days later i got all of the documentation through and um so i phoned him back and i was like man we've got it like it's formed it's here what do i do now <laughs> and he said go and open a bank account and i was like okay and he said i said then what and he said, go make some money. <laughs> I was like, oh. And so that was kind of how we fell into our organization. We had no previous uh, business skills or training. You know, we were both artists and creators. And we wanted something that represented all of what we do. Um, and, and that's quite hard, really. Uh, so Brazil Art seems to encapsulate all of that because we're not just capoeiristas, we're musicians as well. I'm a singer, I'm also an artist and uh, and since become an author. And so we wanted to create, it, it wouldn't have worked 
alongside a capoeira group's name we had to kind of create our own identity as our organization so we still affiliate with um chord graduations and traditions um you know from biscuit's lineage of capoeira brazil but it's an affiliation it's not you know brazil art is kind of our creation and we didn't do that to separate from anybody it was very much about embracing all that we were um, and then trying to put it in a place that didn't necessarily understand what that was. And so we chose South End because it was my hometown. And I knew it was going to be one of the hardest places on the planet to set this up um, just because of the culture here is still, even though the, the communities are really, really diverse, a lot of those communities stick within their own. And so um politically it's still very kind of white conservative and always has been since I've been here on this planet so we knew it was going to be a bit of a battle and there were going to be other places that were a bit more liberal that maybe could have been easier but we also discovered that it was one of the places that really needed that it really needed a place um where people could just kind of come and celebrate and express themselves through the art of Brazilian culture and capoeira and music. And so in 2014, we got an opportunity to open our first full-time academy, um, of which I don't think we were really ready, but I think that was, we had to say yes, it was one of the greatest opportunities for us to start that. And it had always been a dream. And we stayed in that space for almost eight years. Um, and then in the middle, in the middle of the pandemic, another opportunity came up inside one of our main shopping centers in South End, and we decided to take a really big risk and um, move into there. And what's been wonderful in that experience is not only are we kind of changing the shape of how shopping centers are used, they're not just, you know, there for people to consume, they're also there for people to experience. And um, it's very common for people to come to our door and say, oh, I want my kid to do kickboxing too. And it's like, cool, uh, we can get you signed up, you know, for a free trial. They can come and try it out. And then once they're here, we can tell them a little bit more about what Capoeira is, because I think it's a really hard thing to sell, because the yeah. more you talk about it, the more it sounds like a strange cult. <laughs> and that's and that's not what it is. But you can only you only have that insight when you're on the inside. So being able to kind of spread that word and the positivity and the energy and the community that Capoeira brings, because it's just magical. And it, it's really hard to put that down on paper. I don't think I've seen anybody quite crack that code yet. Um, so our kind of approach from that is just allow people to see a class full of happy people you know trying new things and expressing themselves and it creates a sense of curiosity and it's that curiosity that helps us to kind of pull them in and start a discussion that sounds amazing um obviously one of the resources you've uh, produced you mentioned being an author was your mestre's volume one which is a really lovely um book would recommend um what was the process that led you to to writing that book and and, and selecting the mestre's that you chose so um, I, I started kind of, uh, 
when I was, a, this comes back to when I was a child, when I was a child, I used to create a lot of art. I used to create uh, comic book strips. I used to copy a lot of art. It was always very artistic. And a few times they got um, trashed by toddler friends who decided to add their artistic flair to my art. And it kind of was a bit soul destroying, to be fair. And I gave up on that dream in a way. Um, but then coming into my 40s, I started coming back to lots of the things that I really enjoyed when I was younger. And I wasn't sure if I, I wasn't sure if I was good enough. I was never a writer, I wasn't really a reader. And, I, and the whole kind of imposter syndrome kept coming over. And I decided to start illustrating profiles of different mestres that I knew of or that I'd heard of over my time. And and then I'd, I'd had these kind of discussions from when we'd done events and different um, guests that came along and, and I'd always ask them, you know, what is your greatest fear of capoeira? And it was always that it would it would lose its roots, it would lose its connection and, and traditions and history. And so as I was illustrating some of these mestres and I was thinking about their stories and how there is no English resource, you know, kind of tapping into those. There's lots of information available online. Most of it's in Portuguese, so it's not necessarily accessible to maybe younger students that haven't started to learn the language yet or even older students that haven't got that far. And so I... I, it was born out of a fear of losing, you know, the the path that's already been walked before us. Um, I think the the internet is an incredible, incredible, the most incredible resource, but it's so vast and so much gets lost, and it's very easy to get hooked on to the kind of new and fabulous and spectacular. Um, and then forget about the stories that have come before. So the real drive to making that book was to create a small, like kind of bring together a small story of, of some of those masters that were quite pioneering in those earlier days, certainly of when times were documented. You know, there's this whole period of time where things weren't documented and it's just unknown and mythical right. and fantastical. But some of the ones that we know that were really pioneering in moving capoeira forward as an art form and kind of telling a little bit of their stories just enough that the hope was that the reader would get a little bit of curiosity themselves to find out more so it's not like an encyclopedia that gives you all of the details but it I'm hoping that it kind of presents enough of a little bit about their personality or a little bit of what time was like then so that they can then go on and, you know, maybe start looking at the music that they wrote and the stories that they told through their music. And that that was the whole idea behind it. And I called it volume one, you know, because there was a there's no way that you can illustrate and write about all of the mesh There's so many of them. Um, but the the list that I kind of came up with was about the ones that I already knew about or knew a knew of. Um, and then it was just asking friends in the Kapura community. And some of those people had lived uh, as neighbors or you know in Brazil. And so it was 
a really easy way to kind of tap in to some of that information supported by stuff that I could find online. And it was a really beautiful process. Um, and I would really love to do another one. You know, I don't even know where to start. I kind of, because I think I'd exhausted my knowledge base. And so now it would be kind of putting it out to the the Capoeira community and say, well, who would we like to feature in the next volume? But the response was really um, supportive and it was, I managed to get it published through Kickstarter, which was great. Um, and interestingly, I, I had some really nice feedback from a couple of people and they said what was lovely about having it in that kind of short form format was that you started to see similarities in some of the lives of those masters of around the same era or within you know an era of like 60 or 70 years and that there was so much suffering and so much kind of negativity yet Capoeira still managed to bring them together and it and for all for nearly all of them not all of them but for nearly all of them Capoeira wasn't their job it wasn't the thing that you know paid for their food it was it really was a, um, a force of expression and creativity and kind of coming back to that root of why those mysteries did what they did and why they believed so much in this art form and so some of that we have to come to our own assumptions but I don't know it just it makes it it's even more special the weight of what this art is and is possible of and capable of I just think outside of Brazil you know we we've got to the the time when it's much better known you can have a conversation with someone and they'll say oh yeah I've heard of that you know um but the the kind of vastness of the I don't know like it's just, it's just so deep and there's so many layers to kind of go through and 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 when I started Capoeira you know I bought all of the books I bought the good books I bought the bad books and I'm sorry that was the school schoolgirl era um I bought all of the books the good ones the bad ones and wanted to experience them all you know I wanted to hear all of the stories and I think when you're gifted things on a plate you're only hearing one person's point of view or it's going through someone else's filter in the same way with news and journalists so enable to be able to kind of bring your own take and view on anything I think you've got to get out there and you've got to read and you have to experience and you have to talk um, and I think with the internet making everything so accessible some of that drive is um or desire is kind of lost I certainly you know having a full-time academy I, I think our students the person that probably travels the furthest is about five miles <laughs> you know whereas when I first started I had to do a two-hour round trip just to go and train for two hours and you know that was the closest place I used to go further as well so it's very convenient now um as is everything I think in our current society everything's very convenient um but I don't think that necessarily leads us to a a very good place I think there are things that need to be worked for well I think it's fair to say that capoeira was never born from convenience was it no
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I believe you're working on your second book now, which is also um, live on Kickstarter as we speak. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is my first. So this is, again, stand back to when I was a kid. Um, this is me braving into the comic book world. Uh, so this is a it's a comic book. It's a fable. It's a it's a mythical, fantastical story. Um, it's called Birambal and how it came to be. It's an idea. Um, it's not written in stone. It's not to say that that's the way it was. It's um, I think there are there are many things that are unwritten. And when I I've got um, Aboriginal uh, families for some uncles that were 10 pound pommies and traveled across the oceans. And um, when I speak to my cousins about their Aboriginal traditions, there's so many similarities with the native people of Brazil and, and Biscuit's heritage is of the natives from the Northeast. And, <laughs> and so when you look at kind of African culture, Indian culture, Asian culture, you know, all of these different places that have that have this rich, rich history of native cultures. There's so many similarities. All of them use a drum. All of them have song. All of them have a dance. You know, it's really wonderful. And to see those similarities and how they're kind of um, how they change and adapt slightly depending on their location. And so a lot of what I've seen um, is always kind of leaning quite heavily on the African link to Brazil. And I, I mean, I very much believe that Capoeira is Brazilian. Um, it's, you know, definitely influenced by African traditions because of the amount of people that infiltrated Bahia and, you know, that's the home place of Capoeira. And so that's normal in the way that there's certain slang um, and other traditions that have been mixed in. And it kind of created this beautiful, um, rich mix. But often uh, the native people of Brazil are often kind of left out of any kind of cultural traditions. And I think they're being much more highlighted now just for this urgency of wisdom and knowledge about medicines and natural medicines and the rainforest and stuff like that. So, and because it was um, Biscuit's lineage, I decided to lean on that side of the culture. So I've created this story um, about how the Birambal was created, how it kind of came about. And if anybody has ever walked a Birambal down a high street, <laughs> you've probably been asked, is that a bow and arrow? Or is that a fishing rod or, you know, all of those kind of things. And so it's a play on the bow and arrow and how it became a beer and bow. And there's a, a fantastical story um, of how it becomes a tool of, I don't want to say manipulation, but it is like manipulation in a way, but it gets our protagonist out of a really deep hole <laughs> that he gets himself into. So, yeah, so I have this, comic book that's now live I think I have about another 24 days to see if I can um see if I can get it funded and bring it into the world well the link will be in the description to this episode um so I would encourage you listeners uh to, to to contribute if you can afford it of course I know times are tough um 
I hope that that uh, project works out for you. Um, the last question I'd like to leave uh, my guests with, which we've already touched on uh, before, is what is capoeira? How would you answer that, if at all possible? Yeah. Well, for me, it's uh, a form of expression of creativity. In a in a nutshell, it's it's where it's given it's gifted me my family, um, my community. It's become a form of expression and communication outside of a spoken language. It's um, like almost like a society tool of being able to see where you fit. It's a, a place of play. I don't think there's any other activity that encourages us to play like we did in our youth. I think, and I don't think there's any other sport where gender is not an issue or age or weight is an issue. So it, I love, it's an equal playing field. And from the kids that we teach and my own children, they have just as much to gift me as I have to gift them. It's, yeah, it's everything. It's what we live and breathe and eat. And I, and I love that it's not, it's not an art form that requires you to be a certain way. And I, and I often say that to our students, we're not asking, we're not creating an army of soldiers. We want to make sure that people are doing things safely, um, but ultimately their interpretation is valid. And so there is no, there's no end to capoeira. There's absolutely no end to it. It's limitless. And that's, that's what, through all the struggles and two difficult childbirths and everything else, I think that's what keeps me engaged because it's never finished. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Are there any um, closing comments or, or things you'd like to, to say before we uh, sign out? No, uh, I, I guess if you if there's any questions or if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on pretty much any of the platforms um, by searching for TikTok. And please reach out like we're super open to creating new connections or answering questions or collaborations. Yeah, if it's if something that's resonated with you today and you'd like to know a little bit more then just get in touch. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time and thank you listeners um, for listening. Until next time. Ciao.